When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Icons, did you ever watch True Blood? I was obsessed. I thought the men on that show, Alexander Skarsgård, Ryan Quanton, I was in love with him when that show was airing. And I thought it was just so good. And so that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the new season of the Truest Blood podcast. The Truest Blood podcast is fantastic. If you haven't listened before, it's hosts Kristen Bauer and Deborah Ann Wall who rewatch and tell true stories from the set of HBO's iconic series, True Blood. They discuss the episodes, the blood, both fake and real, and all the sexy bites in between. In this season of the podcast, they cover seasons three and four of True Blood, uh, where there's more werewolves, witches, and vampire royalty on the show. Plus, they have really great people who worked behind the scenes of the show coming on and talking about the show. Lots of that to come. I think we're all pop culture junkies here. And one of the things that I love about pop culture is seeing how the sausage is made. And so I think that's why we're all going to be so excited to listen to the Truest Blood podcast. So check it out. uh, And also check out the show True Blood. Watch all episodes of True Blood on Max and listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking for ways to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative? Gretchen Rubin is the number one bestselling author of The Happiness Project, and every week she shares insights and practical solutions in the Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast. Gretchen's co-host and happiness guinea pig is her sister Elizabeth Kraft, a Hollywood showrunner. Join Gretchen and Elizabeth as they reveal fresh insights from cutting-edge science, ancient wisdom, pop culture, and their own experiences about cultivating happiness and good habits. Every week, they offer a manageable try-this-at-home tip you can use to boost your happiness without spending a lot of time, energy, or money. Suggestions such as follow the one-minute rule, choose a one-word theme for the year, or design your summer. They also feature segments like Know Yourself Better, where they discuss questions like Are you an overbuyer or underbuyer? A morning person or night person? Abundance lover or simplicity lover. And every episode includes a happiness hack, a quick, easy shortcut to more happiness. Listen and follow Happier with Gretchen Rubin, an Odyssey podcast. Available now, free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. Portia and I should never kiss again. Portia. She kissed me in the club and told me she wanted to eat me till I come. (laughs) Oh, you don't have a sex dungeon? No, I do not. Portia, when you talked about the night you kissed Candy. Fear goggles. Girl, you are that that drunk and you can go back to you. Period. (laughs) No. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. We're going to be recapping this week's Real Housewives of Atlanta. Also, after all of the Bravo stuff, I have an interview with J.P. Sachs, who you guys, I love him. He's a musician who sings that song with Julia Michaels, If the World Was Ending. I'm sure you've heard it on the radio. It's nominated for Song of the Year 
at the upcoming Grammys. And I did this interview and I was trying to save it for uh, right ahead of the Grammys. I was going to air it, but now the Grammys are postponed. So we're playing it today on the show. He was lovely. And he also has another song called A Little Bit Yours that I'm like truly obsessed with. It sounds like a Grey's Anatomy song to me and I love it. Plus, he just came out with another duet with Maren Morris, who I love. She's a country artist. If you guys aren't familiar with her, check her out. So I'll play that interview with JP right after all the Bravo stuff. Uh, we got to hop in, though, to a little Southern charm news that was breaking this morning. Madison, of course, of Madison, Madison, Madison fame. This is fucking Madison. bullshit. Madison. <laughs> I'll never forget that moment of Austin's threesome video that the Southern charm producers made us watch over and over again. Uh, anyway, there's been all this drama with like the very Cavalieri cast and the Southern Charm cast. So there was like these rumors that Austin was hooking up with Kristen because they did an Instagram live video, although I never believed that they were actually hooking up. And I felt like Austin really played into it and tried to like lead us to believe uh, that he was hooking up with Kristen, but I don't actually think he was. And then also on the flip side of it, there was this like Madison was commenting on Jay Cutler's photos, who was Kristen Cavallari's ex. And she was commenting, and then she was on Watch What Happens Live, and Andy asked, what's going on with you and Jay Cutler? And she said something like, I don't kiss and tell. You know, they were both ends, Madison and Austin, were both trying to make the public believe that they were hooking up with these other two people. And I'm not sure, maybe the other two people also played into it a little bit, but it was all just quite a bit. And Madison this morning had posted what she called the receipts on her Instagram story, and there were text messages between her and Jay Cutler. Uh, one of them was just saying that he, he was saying he was mad that she kept bringing up his name. And then she said in the text message, I've always been respectful. She said, Jay, I've done nothing but respect you and your privacy. I respect you and I respect your family and I would never say anything to jeopardize you and your family. Although she is technically by releasing these text messages. And the reason she released these text messages, allegedly, is because uh, Kristen and Jay had both posted on their Instagram accounts saying something like, been together 10 years, uh, nothing's going to come between us. It's all a lot. And if it sounds confusing, that's because it is. And I can't quite gather up the strength to care too much about it. Uh, My official response is... (sighs) That's my official response, but I just wanted to at least update you guys on the newest, latest, and greatest of what's happening in the Bravo world, and it's got a crossover with the Very Cavalry. Truly, this is more interesting than anything happened on that Very Cavalry, although I would not... I would not uh, want to get in the mix with Kristen Cavallari, because if I know one thing about that gal, it's that you do not want to come for her, and now Madison is coming for her, and I'm waiting... I'm waiting with bated breath for Kristen Cavallari. She's going to come in, and she's going to say or do something to Madison. I'm feeling it in my bones. She's not going to let this slide. She's going to she's gonna fuck them all up. She's going to get Austin. She's going to get Madison. Somehow she's going to finish Craig. I don't know. She's going to come after Craig's pillow line. She's, gonna, she's not donezo with this. Let me tell you something. There's one thing I've learned from watching Kristen Cavallari on the air for so many years. You do not cross her. And now all these people are crossing her, and I'm thinking, oh, better sit tight. I got my tea ready because I'm sitting tight. Got my popcorn popping because I am just waiting. Kristen Cavallari, you know, and also Madison's a firecracker too. I don't know that I'd want to screw with Madison because she's going to come in. Uh, the real losers in this whole thing is Austin because I just do not care for that man. Um, so to me, that's the real loser in this situation because he's just not someone I need to see on my TV anymore. And the thing that's really gnawing at my craw about this 
That's a saying my dad always used to say when I was younger. He'd always say, nothing gnaws at my craw. <laughs> We'd always be like, what the fuck does that mean, dad? He'd say it all the time. Gary Pellegrino loved to say, nothing gnawed at his craw. Anyway, nothing gnaws at my craw. More than the fact that all of this attention is going to make sure, make certain of the fact that we're going to have to watch uh, Austin on our televisions for even longer. This whole thing, that's what's happening here. We're all being bamboozled. And it's right ahead of the reunion. You know they need some press for that reunion because nobody's been watching this season of Southern Charm. It's a big flop, flop city. And so, you know, we're all going to be tuning in, even though this stuff isn't even going to play out on the reunion. None of this is going to play out. So we're all being bamboozled, tricked, hoodwinked. And I'm sick of it. I'm devastated over the whole thing. And now, uh, you know, we're going to get another season of the Southern Charm. And they're going to think, because of all the stuff that's happened in the press between Austin, Madison, and the very Cavalry crew, they're going to think Bravo is going to think that we want more of Austin. And so they're just going to keep him around. And I don't know what to say about that. I don't, we didn't really talk about the Southern Charm finale. It was a big flop again. <laughs> I'm being so mean to Southern Charm, but it was a flop. And they ended it. I was so mad at how they ended it. Just briefly, I want to say Catherine. Uh, you know, was confronted for the direct messages she had been sending. And they finally got her to sit down. They tried the whole season to sit her down and have a conversation. She kept saying she didn't want to do it. You know, it's just a nightmare. The whole season was about them trying to talk to Catherine. And whenever that happens on one of these shows, I get so frustrated because it's like, it's the job to sit down and talk about it, whether or not you want to. It's the whole job. The whole gig is sitting down with your castmates and talking about what's ever going on. So when someone in the cast decides, oh, I don't want to talk about it, and then we spend the whole season then, you know, trying to get that person to sit down. It's just like a waste of a whole season. It happens on Housewives all the time. So I felt that way with Catherine. I'm like, oh, this, we're just uh, running in circles here. So they finally got her to sit down at the end. Finally, finally, finally. Uh, and it seemed like they were getting through to her. Level was getting through to her. Danny, they were all Madison, Madison, Madison. They were all getting through to her. And then it ends, and they say six months later. You know, they put up one of those title screens, say six months later. Then we cut to Catherine in her house with, she had self-tanner on the door. Did you guys see that? On her door, six months later, she just had the self-tanner. Uh, self-tanner all over that door. The whole door was covered. It, the whole door was looked like it was stained brown, but it wasn't from some polyurethane. It was from Catherine's self-tanner. Uh, so it was stained. So I was focused on that, but then she was like coming out of the bathroom and she was taking a pregnancy test and looking at it. And it's like, this was so stupid. I was so frustrated by this whole thing. I can't believe they even aired that because we knew she wasn't pregnant because, uh, we see her on social media. We see her in the trailer for the reunion and we could tell she's not pregnant. So the fact that they cut ahead to it, it was so manipulative. And I thought, really, they just want some sympathy for Catherine because we've lost it all. You know, I don't think a lot of people feel super sympathetic to Catherine. And Catherine, really, throughout the arc of the show, was the star of the show. So I think Bravo is like, oh, we got to get the audience back on her side. Brian Moylan wrote a great piece on this on Vulture. I don't know if you guys follow his Vulture recaps, but uh, somebody had sent me. He did a great thing on it. Check it out. But uh, yeah, it was just frustrating. It was just frustrating. I don't know. I'm so, I love Southern Charm so much, but this whole thing, and now we're, we're being hoodwinked with this whole Madison, Madison stuff. Fuck Madison. Bullshit. Madison. <laughs> okay, you guys, should we talk about the Real Houses of Atlanta? You guys, they're going on their cast trip. We open with Candy. Uh, Cynthia's calling Candy when you hear Candy's voicemails, her singing. I don't know what she's saying, but I love to hear Candy sing. So that really made me laugh. And then we see Candy and Todd are calling Riley at school, uh, which was nice to kind of check in. We had that uh, sad goodbye with Riley. So it's nice to see that she's doing good. 
And Cynthia is meanwhile calling everyone. She's calling everyone in the cast. No one wants to pick up for Cynthia. And I don't want to pick up for Cynthia either. I don't want to have to watch these Cynthia scenes. I've turned on Cynthia so hard that I don't even want to watch a scene of her calling people. Everyone was sending her to voicemail, though Kenya's voicemail was full, which always, you know, you, you learn a lot about people by their, what they have as their outgoing message on their voicemail and then also whether or not they're full. Um, meanwhile, Portia's outside with an energy healer. She's doing some energy healing. And that's a thing apparently that people do. And I've seen it on these shows quite a bit. I don't know if it's happened on Housewives, but I've seen like these energy healers. I think on Dallas Housewives, DeAndro is meeting with someone who's sort of like a meditation guru or something. I don't know, but I'm like, maybe I need to meet with the energy healer. You know, I've, my energy's not great during this COVID times. I could use an energy healer to come in here with some sage and do something to me. I don't know what. But I feel like I could use it. Then, uh, let's see, we cut to Drew and Ralph. You guys, Drew and Ralph, you know I do not like this Ralph, although every time they show him, I, I will say that he looks gorgeous. He's always got the the guns out. He's wearing the the uh, uh, sleeveless blouse. You know, he's always got a sleeveless blouse on, that Ralph. And I appreciate that. At least he's given us something to look at. But he gave Drew a scooter so Drew could get around. And all I could think about was, yeah. Where is your scooter? Where is your scooter? Where is it? Drew's like, are you okay? Where is it, bitch? Relax. Where is it? Really? Drew's got the scooter now, and she's uh, scooting around the neighborhood. And they're talking about the girls' trip. So Drew's going to have everyone over for a Hollywood night. And she tells Ralph that she's going on a girls' trip. She's like, at least I have the decency to tell you that I'm going on the girls' trip. And we still don't know. I want to remind everyone. We still don't know what happened when Ralph went away and didn't tell her. I think we found out where he went, but there's still like a lot of uncertain details that we just don't have cleared up. I'm hoping he shows up at the reunion because I don't know what's going on with this Ralph. Where was he? What happened that whole time he he went? But uh, Drew says she wants to have everyone over for this Hollywood night so she could check the temperature. You know, she wants to check the room to see how everyone's doing, how everyone's getting along. And I was happy that she's at least planning an event. You know, I was talking to my friend Dave and he was saying, uh, he pointed something out to me that I never had processed before about the Real Houses of Orange County. And it was the fact that uh, Gina, he said, and I believe this to be true, that Gina has never thrown a party before in her three seasons on the Real Housewives of Orange County, which is shocking when you think about it. I mean, when you think about it, that's pretty badass. You know, I'm liking Gina these days, but uh, I can't believe that she's lasted three years without throwing a, a big party. Um, anyway, Drew, it's her first season. She's thrown a party. Uh, before that, though, we cut to Kenya having breakfast with LaToya. Kenya's having breakfast with LaToya, and she's wearing a face shield. LaToya's not. Makes no fucking sense. But I'm not going to harp on it because you guys get mad. You guys DM me and say, Danny, why are you talking about the PPE every second? And I say, because I can't focus on anything else, people. That's all I focus on. It's like, why the fuck doesn't LaToya have a face shield on? Meanwhile, these face shields don't do shit. I get it. I get it. Okay, but I can't... All I'm doing is sitting here doing the math. I'm like, I feel like such a dumb shit watching it, because I'm like, what is she wearing the face shield? She's not. I'm like, doing math in my head. I got a chalkboard here while I'm writing on it, trying to figure out the logistics of why one person's got a shield on the other person. Don't don't make any sense. Anyway, they go, and Kenya's on a diet for the vacation. She wants chicken and waffles, but Latoya says, nope, you're not having that. But uh, what really struck me about this scene was that Kenya gave LaToya a gift. And I haven't seen on one of these shows one girlfriend give another girlfriend a gift like this. And that gift is Kenya's underwear. She brought it to breakfast, which breakfast is a sacred meal. You know, I believe breakfast to be very sacred. 
I don't know that that's just how I grew up, but breakfast is not a meal where you just uh, deliver panties across the table uh, with your bacon. You know, you just don't do it at my household, not how I was raised. Um, but apparently that's what Kenya's doing here in this scene. Just gives Latoya a bag of her undies, of her undergarments. She just, and then Latoya, as if that wasn't shocking enough, Latoya sniffs them. She sniffs them right there at the table, right at the breakfast nook. I know they're at a restaurant, but there was breakfast. And right over uh, the table, right where they're about to have some ham and eggs, some pancakes and waffles, uh, Latoya sniffs the panties. I couldn't believe my eyes. I could not believe my eyes. And Kenya just gets such a kick out of it. She's like, ha ah! ha You know, she, <laughs> Kenya's laugh. <laughs> Kenya's laugh always reminds me of like, it's a fake laugh almost. Um, I love it though. Like it's so, it's infectious in the way it's just like, ah! I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to do it, but it just doesn't feel like a natural laugh. And I think that's why I love it so much. Anyway. Uh, yeah. She just gives him the panties. Meanwhile, Kenya got a private jet for her and Latoya and the nanny in Brooklyn to go, on this cast trip. And it was funny to me that she got it. She wants to arrive first. And look, they're in a pandemic. I sort of got it. I don't understand why the rest of the women didn't just like chip in for their own jet or something or make production do it. Did production must have paid for Kenya's jet, right? That's what I feel. I feel like Kenya had that idea. She's like, oh, it'd be a fun storyline if like I got to go on a private jet and they didn't. And producers probably thought it'd be funny too. So I would imagine producers paid for it, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. We need to get some, an SOS on that. Producer, I don't know if a producer can email me or something. Let me know what, what the T is. Send me a DM on Instagram. Um, but uh, it's interesting because Brooklyn, the baby, is not allowed to be in any of the shoot now. So even when they were up in the plane, Brooklyn, baby Brooklyn had to be blurred out. And Kenya mentions to Latoya when they're sitting down for their panty breakfast that Brooklyn's not allowed to be featured in the hair care ads either because Mark the monster she's married to says that uh, she can't do it without permission. So they've been separated a year, Mark and Kenya. And in the news just recently, it, they said they were officially broken up again, which I can't even keep up. They There was like some big announcement, I think, in People or something. I'm like, I don't give a shit. It's like every week there's something different. It's like every week I see Kenya in an interview saying like, well, Mark and I are together, and then they're not, and then they're together. It's like, I don't care. I'm bored with it. Um, but when Kenya does say that her and Mark are separated a year, um, they, they're eating, you know, they're sitting down for breakfast. And then Latoya very sexually says, uh, I'm a messy eater. And then Kenya goes, oh, you know, the, the laugh. <laughs> I wish I could do an impression. I can't do any impressions, but she does laugh. And then, um, it's very sexual. She said, I'm a messy eater. And you guys, this relationship is, is intriguing to me. Intriguing. Um, I never could have imagined we'd be just passing panties across the breakfast table, but that's where we're at here. And I'll be honest, it was interesting to me because this whole season, I'm not interested. Last week on the show, I said, The Real House of Atlanta was a real low point for me. I thought there was never a worse episode than last week on the show. And this week definitely steps that up a little bit, but it's still snoozy. It's still snoozy to me. I'm sorry. And I only say that because this show has such a, set at such a high bar for our viewing pleasure. So to see it, uh, tank so drastically, which again, I know we were in COVID time, so it must have been hard to film, but they're still doing group scenes. So like, I don't know. You know, we can't blame it all on COVID because if we're seeing them all in a group scene half the time with not even a single mask or distance between them, then I can't really blame COVID because it seems like everything's filming just as normal. So we can't fully blame COVID for a snoozy season. Something else seems off to me. Um, but again, I only say that because I love these women so much and I don't want them to have a bad season. 
I don't, I don't want it in my bones. I, I'll be honest, you guys, I wrote in my notes, like, I hate to even say this out loud, but I kind of miss Nini. I do miss Nini a little bit. I do. Maybe, maybe I just missed how the seasons were when Nini was on them. You know what I mean? But I'm just, I'm feeling a little, whatever. But I did get such a kick out of a lot of this stuff was so funny. I mean, the, the panty thing. So then we cut to Drew's house. She's getting ready. Ralph's decorating for the Hollywood party. The staff there was wearing costumes. I didn't really quite understand the, the costuming. Maybe I missed that. Cynthia arrives first and she talks a little bit about the wedding. And she tells Drew and Ralph, like, I'll walk off the altar if people aren't wearing the masks, which is a lie because I saw footage and there's a lot of footage of people just not wearing masks on. Again, not to harp on it, Cynthia Bailey, but don't try to pretend. Uh, then Kenya arrives. I'm like loving Kenya. I know a lot of people don't care for Kenya, but I'm loving she arrived in this Adidas outfit that I just love. Candy said she had the same one. I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, then uh, Candy, speaking of, I saw her have a little tequila, which she normally doesn't do. They all had a little tequila shot. I don't know. Maybe Candy's wasn't tequila, but I, it looked like it. Um, and then the, uh, the producers in the confessional asked everyone how Ralph looks, because everyone could tell that Ralph's a hot man, right? Everyone could see that. And the producer asked Portia, you know, how does he look? And Portia's like, uh, like she did this. <laughs> all the women in Atlanta and their confessionals, they do this sound. I don't even know how to explain it, but they just kind of go, uh huh. Almost like a goofy, like, uh, yeah. but like a cooler version of that. You know what I'm saying? So Kenya, uh, so Portia does like a, uh, 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 that's a question for Kenya. And it was so shady. Then they cut to Kenya saying that he's cute. <laughs> there, was, there was another really shady moment from the brilliant, beautiful Bravo editors. They're really working overtime, at least. I will say, I hate on those Bravo people for a snoozy season, but they have been doing some really great stuff. And so I want to applaud them for the moment when Cynthia... In her confessional, she is uh, talking about how Latoya shaded Drew's wig, and Cynthia says, like, we've all had bad wigs a time or two. And then they do a close-up of Kenya. <laughs> that was so shady. They showed a, they did, it was like really subtle. It was subtle, but it was purposeful. It was purposeful. And then the producers also shaded Latoya by saying that she has a YouTube channel. Somebody said, like, what does Latoya do? And the producer on camera said, oh, she's got a YouTube channel. And that was meant to be shady. It was meant to be shady. Um, let's see. Drew also stepped it up with the shade. She said something like, we all do the best we can to look when they were talking about her wig. And then she's like, look, Kenya came like this. <laughs> it was, it was good shade. I don't know how to, I don't know if I explained it properly, but it was good. So then they sit for dinner. Drew decides to sing Amazing Grace. <laughs> which is a thing that's happened on this show multiple times. I even flash back to Portia singing Amazing Grace. They were all singing Amazing Grace. Obviously, the rights to that song are either free. It must be, I think it must be a public domain song because normally they don't play songs in these shows. But Amazing Grace, we've seen the whole cast do it, basically. This whole cast thinks they're singers. Meanwhile, Candy's the only one that we want to hear sing. <laughs> but Drew's now a singer. Uh, Drew's now a singer. And then, uh, the whole thing looks, the whole thing was fine. Like this whole dinner was fine. The sponge cake looked good. I was really looking at that cake they had for dessert. It looked amazing. And then Drew gave everyone popcorn from Chicago. I was trying to figure it out if it was Garrett's. Do you guys ever have Garrett's popcorn from Chicago? Delicious. Fantastic, delicious, flawless. I order it for people as a good gift. If you're ever looking for a good gift, this is not an ad. But Garrett's popcorn, you do the Chicago mix, which is like a little caramel, a little cheese corn. Oh my God, you guys. Oh, 
if anyone at Garrett's is listening, please send me some. My DMs are open. I love, I love a Garrett's popcorn and it's a little expensive, but it is so good. You guys. Oh my God. And when I lived in Chicago, I would like go to the, they would have the Garrett's shop and you walk in and I'm not kidding you. It's like the best scent ever. The best scent. You just walk in. It's overwhelming. That's always a good gift. If you need something to get a boss or a coworker, or even a parent, someone, you don't know what to get them. I think Garrett's popcorn is really great. Or Giordano's pizza you can order from Chicago. That was my favorite deep dish. You get the Giordano's. Even for Valentine's Day, usually, my boyfriend and I, we like to get the heart-shaped one. And you put it in the oven. It's delicious. the most delicious pizza in the world. Giordano's. Giordano's, if you're listening, my DMs are open. <laughs> Send me a heart-shaped pepperoni or a heart-shaped cheese. Um, okay, so where are we at here? And here I am just trying to get free goods. You know, I gotta do something. Gotta do something here. I gotta hawk my goods. Speaking of hawking my goods, I wanna take a little breather here just to say that I uploaded a new episode, a bonus episode on my Patreon. So if you want the bonus episodes and you wanna support this podcast, just go to patreon.com slash everything iconic. And if you donate $4 more per month, you get access to the bonus episodes. And I'm recapping Sex in the City over there. It's really fun. The last recap I did, I thought it was, I thought it was a good time. So, uh, also I'm just doing one a month and it supports the show. So thank you. Thank you. Okay. Where are we at here? They, uh, Drew gave everyone popcorn. Then we see everyone getting ready for the trip. Todd suggests that they hire some strippers, make it like a Cynthia bachelorette party. And we know that one of the women is going to allegedly hook up with the stripper with the PPE on. So, you know, I'm excited to see that play out. And I like that Todd's supportive. I have, there's a lot I like about Todd and Candy right now. First and foremost, he's very supportive of the strippers. Sometimes the men get weird about that. Secondly, they're both very sex positive. We learn later on in the episode that Candy, she tells everyone on the bus when they have a threesome, they make the other person sign an NDA. And that was an interesting tidbit of information. And I like that she's being honest and open about it. It makes me love Candy even more. I think an earlier version of Candy, you know, like season three Candy might not have been so open about that. But now I like that Candy doesn't give an F, and she's just like, yeah, we sign an NDA. So I like that. Uh, so let's see. Uh, Kenya, she takes, again, baby Brooklyn, and she said she never let the baby alone before, so she's got to. But she didn't tell the other women, and so Portia finds out later on the bus that Kenya's bringing the baby, and she's pissed about it. She's very pissed. Um, but Dennis drove Portia to the bus for the girls, and that was interesting. So Dennis and uh, Portia are just like Kenyan Mark. It's like, will they, won't they? Are they on? Are they off? And I'm tired of both of it. I'm, I'm tired of both relationships. And I love my Portia. Oh, Portia has just become such a huge star in front of our eyes. I mean, she is almost, I think, bigger than this show at times. I really think like Portia's destined for bigger things because she's just got such a wonderful personality. But that said, I'm not really interested in the Dennis stuff. Candy's wearing a Gucci sweatsuit that I really loved. I wrote that in my notes. Um, and they talk about kissing. I played that clip at the beginning of this episode. They talk about kissing. Candy's like, we should never kiss again. Whenever they show the flashbacks, though, this season, it just makes me miss the old show. It makes me miss people like Sheree and Phaedra. I wish Sheree would come back. Can't we get that Sheree back? She get her in her chateau. Throw a camera person on the chateau. I wouldn't even mind if we just like had filler scenes of Sheree at the chateau. Let's see what's going on there. You know, she doesn't even have to be in the mix with the other women. Just let's get a camera on Chateau. See how the joggers are going. September, spring, summer. Are they out? Who knows? We need to get a camera over there. Um, let's see. Then 
Otania has the see-through Louis Vuitton bag that I love. Uh, did you see her Louis Vuitton bag? Gorgeous. Marlo shows up in all PPE. She's my favorite one. Portia said she's a pandemic realness when the world is ending. And it was full body. They all laugh at her, but I stand with Marlo. I stand with Marlo. Um, let's see. Oh, that's when they all get on this hot bus. Portia was talking about Dennis there too, and I was yawning about it. Shamia got a confessional. So Shamia, I think this was her first confessional this season, maybe. And, uh, let's see. Uh, what else are we missing? Oh, when Kenya arrives to the vacation place, Kenya decided to assign the rooms and I got mad at her. I was like, Kenya, what are you doing? That's the whole fun of the episodes. It's like people decide in room. Roni gets two whole episodes out of them decide in rooms. And here Kenya just decided to decide for them. And I didn't care for that. I want a whole fight over the rooms. It looks like in the coming attractions, maybe they do argue about it a little bit, but I still, I can't have someone just assigning the rooms. I need them to have arguments about it. That's the whole fun of this show. Um, but let's see, Portia, she arrives mad. She's not only mad that Kenya didn't tell her about bringing the kid, but she's also mad that she said she, it was so hot on the bus. They didn't have proper air conditioning. And she says she's dripping in spots. She didn't know she could sweat from. And Portia says in her confessional, it's not the WAP I've been talking about. <laughs> oh, that was good. Oh, that was good. Next week to be continued. We ended on it to be continued. I don't think we needed it to be continued. I'll be honest, but we got one, whether we wanted it or not. I feel like. That's a little bit suspect, if you ask me, that the producers just added to be continued, because there was nothing that dramatic that I needed to be continued. Anyway, next week, we get a little murder mystery. They're doing a lot of, a lot of that on these shows. Then uh, Kenya orders a crab cake for herself, and it pisses off the other women. So it looks thrilling. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Um, but yeah, that's the big drama next week. That's what we got it to be continued on. Kenya orders a crab cake for herself. The big drama of the season. <laughs> I'm waiting for the stripper to show up because, God, if that's the drama we're dealing with, that Kenya orders a crab cake, you guys. I like the little drama of it. You know, I I always say I like when the drama's like inconsequential and made into a bigger deal. So I'm sure this crab cake thing will be fun. Uh, but it just made me laugh. It's like next week, to be continued, next week, Kenya orders a crab cake and the women get mad. Women get pissed. Ah, you guys, so that's the Real Houses of Atlanta. Uh, we'll be back later this week with recaps of Salt Lake City. And I have a special guest uh, coming as well. Uh, so stay tuned, subscribe. If you are liking the podcast, go rate and review us on iTunes. Only if you like it, I would love it if you guys did that. I don't normally ask that of you, but it would be great. Um, and uh, find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. I'm going to play this interview with JP Sachs. I hope you guys enjoy uh, check out his music. Again, the song called A Little Bit Yours, I'm obsessed with. Of course, everyone knows his song, If the World Was Ending, uh, which I'll play. He's actually in a relationship with Julia Michaels, who he sings that with. And uh, they wrote that song, and it's a beautiful song, nominated for Song of the Year. I will put this interview up on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Danny Pellegrino and the number one. Uh, and finally, I'm just going to leave you guys with this chat. So I'm going to say goodbye here. I love you all so much for listening. Stay safe. And I hope you enjoy this chat with JP Sachs. Uh, wonderful. He's also, you guys, uh, JP Sachs also got this like, he's Canadian. He's kind of got that dry, wonderful sense of humor. Like I, he's got like a dry sense of humor that I loved. He was like a little sarcastic. And I, I liked that about him. I was like, I got off the call and I was like, oh, I like that he's a little bit of like a, 
I don't want to say a little bit of an asshole, but you know, in the be- I mean that in the best way. Like I, I love that he just had a little spice to him. I think he's going to be a huge star. He's already in my household. Uh, anyway, you guys, please enjoy this chat with JP Sachs. Oh, and I'll play the song to lead us in. I know you know we know we were meant for each other, and it's fine. But if the world was ending, you come over, right? You come over and you say the night. Would you love me for the hell of it? All our fears would be irrelevant. If the world was ending, you come over, right? This can't be fun while I hold you tight. No, there wouldn't be a reason why. We would even have to say goodbye. This episode is sponsored by Los Angeles Tourism. Now, y'all know I'm from the Midwest, but I've lived in California for so long, and I truly do love it here in LA. There's so much to do. My parents were just in town and said the same thing because we always have something to do when they visit. There's so much good food and drink here. There's lots of pop-ups, rooftop bars, year-round alfresco dining. I love being able to eat outside here all the time, but they really have so many different food options uh, that you can get all the time. Tons of great shopping and fashion. Uh, they just opened up a new shopping center right across the street from where we live. And it's just fantastic to be able to walk there. I love that. I love having the sun. I love the attractions, the studios, the lifestyle. You get all the Hollywood pop culture stuff that I certainly love so much. Uh, and also, you just get the wonderful weather. It's really a fantastic place. So I want to encourage you all to head to discoverla.com. Again, need more ideas for your next visit? Just head to discoverla.com. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered showerhead. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, my listeners can use code EVERYTHINGICONIC, all together one word, at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Ever since I saw Clueless, I wanted to have the most amazing wardrobe, and that includes all of the clothes inside the wardrobe closet, and that's why I'm excited to talk to you about Quince. Now, Quince has you covered with truly timeless pieces that never go out of style. You'll have them in your closet forever. Quince has all sorts of must-haves. I'm talking uh, Mongolian cashmere crewneck sweaters from $50. I have a blue cashmere crewneck sweater I got from them that I get so many compliments on all the time. I love it. Plus, iconic 100% leather jackets and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts 
out the cost of the middleman and passes that savings all over to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. Love that. Makes you feel good about shopping with Quince. Uh, again, I've gotten a lot of stuff there. Just uh, good quality pieces and a lot of different options if you're looking to upgrade your wardrobe. So indulge in the affordable luxury. Go to Quince.com slash iconic for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash iconic to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash iconic. If the world was All right, guys, I'm here with JP. JP, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderfully. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. I uh, last year, you know how Spotify does like the year end roundup of like your most listened to uh, musicians. You were my number one because I was just listening to your songs over and over again in like a sick way. <laughs> well, I'm I'm both flattered and apologetic. <laughs> but it's so there was like a weekend I think in July where I was listening to uh, if the world was ending just. Over, I, I had heard it on the radio, and then it was like, I don't know, I felt like I was in a weird, addictive space with it. Are you finding, do you hear that a lot? Like, people are just listening to it over and over and over again? I think probably the way my music is listened to that I am the most honored by is obsessively in the middle of the night. Um, because usually the songs were rooted in a pretty obsessive, middle-of-the-night creative space especially if it was in July, because we wrote If the World Was Ending July of 2019. So you were on like a nice synchronicitous connection to that song. Right. So talk to me about sort of the evolution of that song. You wrote it in 2019. It was about the earthquakes right here in LA. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of took on this new meeting once once COVID hit. Uh, talk to me about writing it in the first place. Yeah, I mean, there are there are hundreds and hundreds of fun little anecdotes about that song. Um, There are so many little cool stories around how it very easily couldn't have happened. Um, What, what kind of story do you want? You want a song like a story like before the song, when it was written, how we saw it changing meanings. Uh, When it was written, when, when you guys were sitting down to write it, you wrote it with Julia Michaels, right? Is correct. Yes. So when you're sitting down to write it, where did the concept come from? Did one of you have the idea or did you come up with it together? We wrote it the day we met. um, And I came to the session with just that one lyric, if the world was ending, you'd come over, right? Um, Which was a lyric I had written for a different song a year prior, but didn't end up fitting in that song, which I've always kind of considered to be a bit of a a metaphor that uh, often it's failed attempts at a different song that become the beginnings of the next song. Mm. Just, I'm not exactly sure what the allegory is, but I just feel like it's there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was the earthquake July 4th weekend that reminded me of that lyric. And I thought, you know what? That could be really interesting as a duet. Let me try and write it and got home that night, tried to mess around with it by myself and stopped myself mid process and said, you know, I'm going to save this for Julia. I literally labeled the voice note, save for Julia. Mm. Was that the earthquake where it was like the weekend where we had two earthquakes? Mm -hmm. There were two. I didn't feel either of them. 
Oh my God. I was watching Stranger Things with my boyfriend and I remember just, that was a very uh, apocalyptic weekend with the two of them because we felt them both. And it was, that was the first time I had felt an earthquake here in Los Angeles. I was driving to my best friend, Emily's house and uh, I got to her house. She was like, did you feel the earthquake? I was like, no. And I was disappointed at missing it, Um, which is an insensitive reaction to a a seismic event but i was just bummed at missing out at this collective experience with my society and ironically i actually slept on i I slept on emily's couch that night and i also crashed on her couch the night before we wrote the song and i met julia did you and julia have instant writing chemistry or did it take a bit to kind of get in the groove Uh, it was pretty immediate um I was very nervous for that session because she's always been one of my favorite songwriters and I wanted to be on my A game. So I had a kind of like nervous frenetic energy, which sometimes has resulted in the best moments in my life and sometimes resulted in just overwhelmingly embarrassing ones. I I don't know how to, I don't know what causes them to be one or the other, but, um, we started writing that song pretty fast because she liked that idea. And when I sang her that melody that if the world was ending, you come over right on the piano the first time, pretty immediately she sang the next line that you'd come over and you'd stay the night. And then it just sort of came out of us. Wow. Uh, And then what's the ride been like since it's been released? I was reading on your Instagram. I think you had said uh, your mom had seen you for the last time perform it on Fallon, which Forgive me, was Fallon kind of like the first point where it sort of jumped out into the mainstream? Um, That was our first late night performance, which was, I can't remember if it was the end of November or the beginning of December, but it was late November, early December 2019. We did it on Fallon. It was my first late night performance and, you know, a, a really special one because that was just over a month before my mom died and she was able to come to New York to see that performance, which was, which was special because, you know, doing, doing a late night performance is one of those like milestones that feels like you're not going to be a struggling musician for the rest of your life. It totally could still happen. I'm sure there's lots of people who've been on Fallon who, who are still struggling (laughs) or any other version of late show, but, um, you know, I, I was happy to be able to give her that symbol of I'm going to be okay as a right. as a musician. I'm so sorry for your loss. Uh, yeah. I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, I also love a little bit your uh, um, a little bit yours. I'm like singing in my head. Um, <laughs> it's such a beautiful song. When did you When did you write a little bit yours? Yeah, there's a funny there's there's a funny experience around the timing of feelings and song release is um, that often the time it takes to move on to a new feeling is shorter than the time it takes to release a song. Um, I often like, I often wonder what it's like for fans of mine to, to see me in a reasonably public relationship while also singing these devastatingly heartbroken songs. Um, I'm not making them up. I wish I was. Um, but, you know, my year and a half of singlehood before I met Julia was the most creative period of my life. So I've had 18 months of writing a lot, a lot of songs. And since then, I've had 18 months of being 
pretty in love. But uh, those 18 months of songs are, are still very much represented on the EP that I released in February of 2019 and the album I'm going to release this year. I wanted to ask, when, it, when can we expect the album? When can we get it? First half of the year. Okay. And the, the stuff you're writing now that you're in this happy relationship with Julia, is it, are we going to get a lot of happier stuff or like, what's the process like now? The, the album is still, there are, there are new songs about Julia on the album, but the majority of the album is still written in that 18 month period pre Julia. Right. Are there any other duets or anything that we can expect on the album? Yes. Yeah. Can you tell me? There's, there's one that we're announcing. When does this come out? Uh, this will be out in a week and a half or okay. two, week and a half or two weeks. Right. Um, there's, there's, there's another duet with Marin Morris. Oh, I love her. I love Marin. Um, I also love Marin, uh, which comes out on, uh, on January 13th. Oh my God. That's so exciting. Uh, and it comes out where we are telling people that tomorrow. I can't wait. Uh, JP, what kind of music do you listen to? Like in your downtime, are you kind of all over the place? Tell me about some of your favorite artists. Hmm. It depends on the day. Um, recently I've been, I've been on a Latin music tip, listening to a lot of Maui Ricky, mm. listening to a lot of Camilo. They just released a song called Amen as a family, which I very much love. Okay. Um, wow. yeah, that's, that's been, that's been my recent zone. Um, before that I was very much diving into the music that I loved as a 13, 14 year old. Okay. I was in the end of finishing my album and found it productive to reimmerse myself with the music that I loved before I was able to analyze why I loved the music. Mm. Um, I think, I mean, in any craft, I think there's, there's something kind of sacred about what you were drawn to before you were just inundated with the cynicism that comes with understanding your craft a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that was like listening to early Coldplay records, listening to like the killers and the fray and like going back to the like late nineties, early two thousands R and B that I was obsessed with as a teenager, like D'Angelo's do and Lauren Hill's miseducation. Um, so so that, that, that was like my December was like really trying to flash back to my like, 20 2010 playlists i remember when that killers album came out it was like my freshman year of college and i just i remember being in my dorm room for the first time and thinking i don't live with my parents i have a key that i could come and go at any time and i put that album on and i'll never forget that moment of just i don't know it was like a weird kind of release that moment in, in a dorm room yeah uh julia i love her music too i'm i'm obsessed with her her not only her music, but also her songwriting. Do you have a favorite of, of her work? Yeah. My favorite song of hers is the one she hasn't, the one she's about to put out the next one. Okay. Which I can talk about because it it's her song, but I'm obsessed with it. Oh, I can't wait. Her, her next album is going to be a, like a game changing generationally iconic album. Ugh. It's so fucking good. It's I can't like, wait. It's stupid good. Like I, I listen to her music and I forget it's my girlfriend because I'm just so blown away by how brilliant it is. 
You know, I think Julia wrote my my all time favorite Britney Spears song, "Just Love Me." Is I don't know if you know that or, or it, not it, off the top of my head, but I think she wrote before I knew Julia. I would hear new pop songs and be like, "Oh my god, this is so good!" And nine times out of ten, Julia would have written it. Yeah, uh, JP. I always ask every guest. You know, I like sort of all the I, I like all the pop music, but particularly I love the divas. So I ask every one of my guests if they have a favorite Mariah Carey song. Yeah, um, always be my baby. A classic, a yeah. classic. I, I I had to pick a pick a hit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, JP, you also released with Julia a holiday song, uh, "Kissing in the Cold," which I thought was beautiful. I love a dramatic, melancholy Christmas song. I, I thought it was beautiful. Do, uh, do you have any hopes or plans to release any more holiday music in the future? Is that something down the line? Holiday music, no. Although. I'm not saying it won't happen because I am happy to participate in the long-standing century-old tradition of Jews writing Christmas songs. Thank you. I'm Thank I'm you. I'm proud to be in that lineage. Right. Um but uh I mean Julian and I actually did write more than one Christmas song so they may see the light of day at some point. We got really bored in our house in July and just it was it was a nice escape in summer quarantine to imagine Christmas and Christmas songs and we, we managed to squeeze one of them out into the world. It was so good. It was beautiful. You know, hey. I love uh, uh, the jewel. Um, why am I blanking? Uh, the Judy Garland, have yourself a merry little Christmas. It's like this beautiful, sad song. And I think people often think of Christmas songs as very happy and upbeat, but I love a, I think a melancholy Christmas song is, is everything. Um, I think, you know, just like any day of the year, every emotion is valid and relevant to someone. Right. Okay, JP. So album first half of this year, you said, Mm -hmm. are you excited to release it in the world? Like, what are you feeling like now? Are you nervous? Are you excited? You know, I've been asked a number of times now if I'm nervous and I've been asked enough times that I'm nervous that I'm wondering whether I should be nervous, but I'm not nervous about it. I'm not nervous about it because my guiding principle releasing music since the very first song I put out in 2017 is do I love this? It's like really the only question that matters to me because I'm, I'm reasonably um, particular about the music that I like, but also the music I like is like not the most avant-garde of music. So if I can remove my, if I can remove the part of me that listens with my ego, the part of me that listens with, do I love this because I made it or do I love this because it feels honest? Mm-hmm. And I can, I can just genuinely love the sincerity in which the songs are made. And I feel something when I listen to them. I just have to trust that like other people's reactions to music are not all that different than mine, or at least the subset of the population that I, you know, will react to my music. Um, Cause you know, I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a, a basic human who, who likes things the same way a lot of other humans do. So if I can make myself like it, I trust other people will too. Was it overwhelming when you got the song of the year nomination from the Grammys? I mean, that must've been such an exciting. It was, to be honest, it was one of those, do you ever have like really wonderful moments in your life that you just don't know how to feel? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I know intellectually that this is like really 
fucking wonderful, but I don't actually feel, I don't know if I have the emotional channels to like take this in yet. Right. Or like other people are reacting very big to it. It makes you feel like you should be reacting big to it too. Um, Yeah. I mean, I had had a lot of thoughts about it. Um, It's, I don't know the way I the way I have learned myself is that I I really I feel things in in connection to other people. Like it's hard for me to internalize something until I can like really share it with people. Um, which is why you know the success of my career over the last twelve months still feels very intangible to me. It's like not something I know how to hold on to because you know stream counts go up, follower counts go up. But, you know, unless I can perform for an audience of people, like it's hard for me to really believe that people listening to my music isn't just a myth that someone has Mm -hmm. told me. It still feels a little bit like a story. Um, So that's kind of still how I feel about the Grammy nomination. Like it's a concept that I, I believe, but like, I, I don't know. I, I'm still like all of these things have happened while I've been you know, locked in my house, like everyone else. So it's like, I, I guess the success of my career has changed and the amount of people listening to my music has changed, but it doesn't feel all that different than it felt when I was 14 and no one knew who I was. And I was writing songs in my living room because yeah. that is what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I'm sure I know I'm hopeful that all of that will change and the world will open up again. And I, I know I, for one, can't wait to see you live. Uh, live somewhere because I miss live music so, so much and, and just being in a concert venue or, or somewhere surrounded by people and, and your music is so, um, so emotional and so, um, just so beautiful. I can't wait to experience it with the crowd. So, uh, I want to encourage everyone to go check out a little bit yours, which I've been listening to on repeat. I'm sure at least a million of those streams are mine. And I love the remixes too, that Dave, is it the Dave Odd remix? Dave Odd Day and, yeah, yeah, and Dave, yeah. did the remixes. Oh, They're so fun. Good. Yeah, so good. Uh, JP, thank you so much. Where can people find you on social media? Just my name, JPSAXE. Um, and we can talk We can talk on the internet. I would, I would love that. I, JP, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I truly appreciate you taking the time. And I cannot wait for that album. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate you sharing the time. Thank you. And good luck on the Grammys. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. But I'm still a little bit yours. All I do is get over you. And I'm still so bad at it. We outgrew the love we knew. But I still wish I had it I let myself want you I let myself Icons, 
I'm sure I've mentioned this many a time on the show, but I use DoorDash all the time, and I'm sure so many of you are right there with me. When you need a meal, you hop on DoorDash. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about DoorDash's Dash Pass. It's the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered to your door, helping you save lots of money, lots of time with every one of your DoorDash orders. So it's really a big saver with $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on your eligible orders. Dash Pass makes it super easy to save on restaurants or retail items, groceries, all your local favorites that deliver on DoorDash. Because I don't just get my meals. I also get a lot of groceries. You can get, again, retail items, local stuff. Dash Pass, too, pays for itself in just two orders on average, making delivery even more worth it. Plus, Dash Pass gives you special access to exclusive promotions, member-only menu items, all for just $9.99 a month. So get more from your delivery for less. Sign up for Dash Pass today only on DoorDash. Use code ICONIC24. That's ICONIC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. Subject to change, terms apply. Again, use code ICONIC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. Icons, did you ever watch True Blood? I was obsessed. I thought the men on that show, Alexander Skarsgård, Ryan Quanton, I was in love with him when that show was airing. And I thought it was just so good. And so that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the new season of the Truest Blood podcast. The Truest Blood podcast is fantastic. If you haven't listened before, it's hosts Kristen Bauer and Deborah Ann Wall who rewatch and tell true stories from the set of HBO's iconic series, True Blood. They discuss the episodes, the blood, both fake and real, and all the sexy bites in between. And this season of the podcast, they cover seasons three and four of True Blood, uh, where there's more werewolves, witches, and vampire royalty on the show. Plus, they have really great people who worked behind the scenes of the show coming on and talking about the show. Lots of that to come. I think we're all pop culture junkies here. And one of the things that I love about pop culture is seeing how the sausage is made. And so I think that's why we're all going to be so excited to listen to the Truest Blood podcast. So check it out. uh, And also check out the show True Blood. Watch all episodes of True Blood on Max and listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.